0: Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, girls, boys, music, noise, where is Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, 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 find out.
1: And now, live, from space, the 200% podcast, with football 365 Ian and King, and Edward Carter. (laughs) Hello, pod fans, and welcome to 200% podcast number 314. 314. 314. First three digits of pi, of course.
2: Oh, that's very good. That's very good. That's better than any fucking attendance figure. One
1: of my favourite irrational numbers, pi. Yeah. I love a mathematical constant. Do you? <laughs> Do you, though? No, not really. In fact, I don't really understand anything. I'm sure that, you know, it all makes perfect sense to to somebody. But I I just take it for granted. Oh. You know. Okay. (laughs) As you wish. It's for clever mathematics and physics and and things for clever people to tell me. And I just blindly accept it. Oh, right. Okay. I am everything that anti-vaxxers think of uh, people who blindly accept science, you are uh, the
2: the biggest sheep I know. The biggest, sh- the biggest sheeple.
1: But the thing, the thing is, despite that, I'm right and they're wrong. So I must be doing something right. Here's
2: a question for you. Go on.
1: Sheep is yes. a
2: singular and plural word. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. Yeah,
2: yep. Yeah, but yeah. sheeple is only ever used with plurals. Yeah.
1: So what is the singular of sheep? Surely it's impossible to be a singular sheep, though, isn't it? Well, no. Is that that's by definition. Well, no,
2: no, no. I guess if, you know, you could say to some you could be, you could, you know, you could be standing there with your anti-vax banner and some <laughs> bloke walks past wearing a mask and yeah, you just yeah. say to him, "Well, you're a what? shearsome. I mean, that sounds like, uh,
1: you know... <laughs> if they started coming up with their, their own lexicon for it, it, would, I, I, it might endear them to me a bit well, more. Well, you know,
2: they need, they need solid grammar. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what I'm saying, is that you're not going to get very far in life without solid grammar. I was thinking this afternoon about that story in the news about how they've started turning up outside schools and thinking, what would I do and I was thinking, well, you could punch them in the face, and then I thought, well, no, because I don't think I'd be very good at punching people. I've, I've never no. done it before, so you know. You should use your probably, words. Well, no, I'd elbow them. I'd elbow them in the face. <laughs>
1: That's I what reckon they say. that you that can't would, use your yeah, words.
2: I reckon that that would either break their cheekbone or nose, and well, uh, there we give go, them, give them something to. Think about, then they can refuse all hospital treatment and
1: end up wildly disfigured. King of the simpering lefties in King, there, extolling the virtue of street violence. You know. They look like they, up like they end up
2: looking like Steve Bruce after fifteen rounds with Tyson Fury.
1: They yeah, they possibly would. Are you are you going to produce a, a match with an attendance of three hundred and forty? Saturday,
2: the twenty fourth of November, twenty eighteen. All right. Northern Premier League Premier Division, Buxton nil, Bamber Bridge one, and well done to Matthew Dudley who scored the only goal after nine minutes.
1: Wow. It not doesn't sound like a particularly inspiring game. Doesn't does it. I wonder how many of those three hundred and fourteen people were there at the end. Not that many. Oh mostly in the bar I should think. I mean it's
2: it's what, twenty-fourth of November, so it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty chilly, innit? In, in Buxton's, be Buxton's the peak district, isn't it? So it's gonna be cold. Yeah. It's gonna be up yeah. in the air and it's gonna be cold.
1: Still at least the water will be safe to drink, hey. Eh? <sighs>
2: is it though is it anywhere I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think I recommend well drinking. unless
1: people have started pooing in um, springs of the I don't know no you don't stop dumping sewage places yeah, totally that's what
2: I'm thing. saying raw sewage everywhere you know so you'll see the next opinion poll that comes up conservatives 45% up 6 oh <laughs> oh we love drinking <laughs> our own liquidised shit to own the libs <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: only liberals die of cholera. Can't wait to get cholera, triple fucking cholera, idiot, idiot. Jesus Christ. Anyway,
1: we should talk about football. Should we? Yeah,
2: yeah, we should do. Actually, it takes it takes your mind
1: off everything else. Over the weekend, yes, I was in Hereford for a wedding. In fact, the wedding of sometime 200% contributor, Neil Mace. Yes. So congratulations to him and his good lady wife. But while I was in Hereford, I was able to pay a pilgrimage to Edgar Street, which I was delighted to discover is right in the middle of the town. Like a proper proper football You see, I
2: assumed you just went past it in a car.
1: Well... It was it was a stroke of luck, I'll I'll grant you, but because we were going to the centre of Hereford Town and the football ground is in the centre, like it should be, mm-hmm. I I was able, you know, double bubble. Oh, right. So Fair it struck me when I was going there that that was the the actual location of Brighton's rebirth, essentially. Yeah, well, I, 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 I... had had it gone the other way that day in May nineteen ninety seven. Then maybe You would be a Crawley
2: Town supporter by now.
1: I would never be a Crawley Town <laughs> oh, supporter, you're so but So would Oh fuck it absolutely would not <laughs> you're So would you anyway, go
2: there every week. You go home and away. Yeah Everything with my little goes. rattle. Little Steve Evans badger. Yeah, and
1: my wooden bow tie. Yeah. Um had things gone the other way, it could have been Brighton who went out of business and were forced to reform as a club with a very similar name but uh, specifically not the same name, Bright, like Hereford would
2: be Brighton did. and Hoove Albion. Just <laughs> <There's> two, <laughs> two, two O's. And the bad yeah. would be a horse.
1: <laughs> Why the long face yeah. would be well, the, well, we just, the we, lat- Latin motto. Well,
2: we've got to play all our home games in
1: Crawling. Yeah. But, as it went, it was Hereford who, who submitted to that ignominious fate, which is very unfortunate for them. But it did lead to... Brighton being involved in one of the main stories of the weekend, which was the gratuitous paddling of lesser football teams by the <laughs> top three teams in the English League. Yeah. And it's now my uh, sad duty to ask you, given the fact I already know your answer, yeah. having seen your despondent tweets during the Norwich and Chelsea lunchtime kickoff game, whether or not you think that there there could be uh, a damaging level of disparity developing in the competitive order of the Premier League. Well,
2: it's funny you should say that actually, because I mean this is like the first weekend that something like this has happened, and we're nearly some it. right good patterns. Yeah, and we're and we're we're nearly into November, and actually, if you look at the league table, um, it's kind yes. of fairly open, and it was. Last week, I mean, Man United are absolute toilet, and they're seventh. Spurs are even worse than them, and they're above them. So you know,
1: but I mean, where well, there is now a gap between West Ham as a th- clear three point gap. It, uh, West Ham in fourth and Man City in third. But I think the really telling statistic is to look at their goal difference. Yeah, West Ham's goal difference is plus six. Brighton, who are fifth, have a goal difference of naught, which is a very Brighton goal difference to have. Yeah. Meanwhile, Chelsea's goal difference is 20, having conceded only three goals.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that Man City, in have, only, nine games. Yeah, Man City
1: have only conceded four,
2: haven't they? Um, yeah. yeah, Liverpool have only conceded six. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to say this early in the season because we're only a quarter of the way through. It's very difficult to say definitively that these are the end times, that this is just the way it's going to be from now on. But... It doesn't look especially encouraging when one team is winning 5 0 and one team is winning 4 1 away, and then another team is winning 7 0. I saw somebody. Well, actually, I I, am. Um, right, uh, we record this on Mondays. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that.
1: Everyone knows um, that.
2: And so I was on Football 365 Media Watch this morning, and most of it was about Man United Liverpool, which we may come back to.
1: I think um, that's I think there's fairly a, there's safe a possibility,
2: to say. isn't there? But one of the pieces there was about are Norwich the worst team in the history of the Premier League? And I think my answer to that is it's a bit early to tell.
1: Yeah. Come back to me with that one in May. Yeah, because at the end of the day they've got two points
2: from nine games, which is fucking abysmal, obviously. But the record yeah. low is only eleven.
1: So they only two points Two goals as well. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah.
2: So they only need three wins from the next twenty nine games to be joint bottom, and three wins and a draw from their next twenty nine games well, I mean that no, they're yeah. not the worst team in the history of the Premier League.
1: Well, I mean, they only need two wins to make sure that they're not the worst in terms of number of wins in a season.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the because th- so, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the the problem is that. We're also hysterical with our reactions these days, and everybody has to have their hot take ready straight away, and what that means is that, you know, most people are wrong most of the time, so within a few days you end up looking like a bit of a dick, and the best thing to do is just to, you know, to move on. I mean, although the one thing I will say, and I can't remember whether I've said this on this podcast or not, but... I'm pretty certain that somewhere or other I predicted Liverpool to win the league this season.
1: I think it may very well have been on this podcast. Yeah, I yeah. think, I, and I'm
2: feeling quite smug about that now because people weren't picking Liverpool at the start of the season for the sole no. reason that they didn't sign anyone during the summer. <laughs> yeah. You get a few games into the season and you see them play and it's like, well, yeah. What were they going to improve on there? They're going to get a better goalkeeper than Allison. They're going to get better strikers than Firmino and um, and Salah. It's such a weird myopic way of looking at it. And from the first couple of games, I was like, "Oh, Liverpool look good. Liverpool look as if they're going to glide serenely," and everybody else has kind of got their kind of obvious problems, you know. Chelsea haven't been firing on all cylinders, even though they scored seven at the weekend.
1: Yeah, and both of their strikers, of course, are injured. Yeah, at the moment. Prior, prior to that, they weren't playing very well. And Man City's problem, I mean, you know, you just need to look at Pep's head.
2: Pep, Well, Pep is bald,
1: you know, there's yeah. no there's no
2: denying that, but no. Yeah, it's, it's
1: not, that hair's gone, it's not coming yeah,
2: back. I mean, Man City, again, they didn't replace Sergio Aguero during the summer. Now, it might turn out that they didn't need to, but they didn't. And that creates a bit of a hole, which you think, well, okay, you know, that's going to take some clearing, Man United are Man United, Spurs or Spurs, Arsenal or Arsenal. So there's nobody who's quite perfect. And Liverpool didn't factor into that conversation, primarily because they didn't spend £100 million or £150 million or £200 million. So while there was all this sort of high excitement about everything that was going on everywhere else at the end of August, because obviously, you know, this the transfer window kind of hangs over the start of the season until the end of August. And it and it's, why is nobody talking about Liverpool winning the league this season? I get that they only finished fourth last year, but the year before that, they won it by fucking miles.
1: Well, then that is actually one of the key points. And in this current league situation. It looks like we're in for quite an exciting battle, maybe even a three-way battle to see who wins the league, which will be something of a bonus after some pretty dry and one way title fights. But at the same time it it does seem to be at everybody else's expense.
2: Yeah, is it really exciting if it's just three teams who are gonna win every week? Is that exciting? I mean, you know, I said at the time and um, this this is what happened Saturday lunchtime. I switched on the Chelsea-Norwich game about two or three minutes in. And I watched it for about 15 or 20 seconds. And I was like, Chelsea are going to absolutely wallop these. And I just switched it back off again. And I have no cause to regret that decision.
1: Well, I mean, obviously not. Norwich got
2: pumped it was yeah, it was an absolute humping, and um, I, I'm not I'm not in it for that. I want to watch a competition. I want to watch something competitive. If I wanted to watch exhibition matches, I've said it before, I'd watch the fucking Harlem Globe Trotters. Really is as simple as that.
1: I had the idea of adding a new metric, and this I think would need to be added to league tables. The X-H. Is this expected hair? No, it's expected humpings. Oh, expected humpings. So it would, be a, it would be a number out of 38 for how many absolute shellackings you're expecting this team to get. And then you could add an extra column, A-H, which is for actual humpings. And you might, you know, Norwich might be able to get a crumb of comfort out of the fact that, despite the fact that they, you know, finished the season with five points and no... and. Ten goals and no wins. They did at least manage to come in under their XH. The
2: thing is that much as I admire all these T-fowl men in their white coats and expanded foreheads with their clipboards trying to mathematically (laughs) break football down until it is nothing more than a series of equations... (laughs) It just don't work like that. No. You know, they will... Any any statistic will tell you something very atomized and something very specific. And you can take those and usually you can mould them into almost anything you want to prove. You know, I could take the vast dream of statistics about, say, Manchester City at Brighton on um, Saturday evening. And I reckon I could prove anything from that. I could probably prove that Brighton deserved to win. I could probably, you know, if I was selective enough with it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the data is only data, isn't it? Yeah. It's application and...
2: um... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't use them very much. I use it occasionally if I've got a point that I want to prove. Which is something that I've seen or something that I feel, I will go into the statistics and I will specifically pull out something that backs it up. And and that's the problem, isn't it? You know, because there's probably another 10 or 15 statistics that actively disprove what I'm trying to say.
1: And obviously, you know, you've got a lot of teams now have got coaches who do this as a dedicated practice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, are paid very well, no doubt. But this is—I mean, this is one possible answer to the conundrum—is maybe the Brentford moneyball mm. approach. But I don't see how. I mean, obviously Brentford have got their um, sister club in Denmark, yeah, Micheland, yeah, who using the same principles, yeah, have managed to win the Danish league. But you do get the feeling that. The English League is, you know, that little bit older and more ingrained. Slightly
2: different kettle of fish, isn't it?
1: And it's not, yeah, it's not, I don't, it, I mean, it's possible. I mean, let, let's face it, the original Moneyball team, the Oakland Athletics in, in baseball, they they got to the World Series final. Mm-hmm. They didn't win, but they got they got to the final, which would be the equivalent of a team like Brentford or West Ham. Having a proper sustained tilt at the title, as far as
2: I can see, Brentford are still doing that thing that teams that have just been promoted into the Premier League occasionally do, which is they can... Carry- unless they're Norwich, yeah. Unless they're well, no, you'll get like you know, you'll you'll get like maybe one a season will do this. What? Oh yeah, the first season bump. Yeah, where they just the momentum keeps them going, and so you yeah. do end up, you do end up with these teams that have just come up through the playoffs, and who just they'll just keep going, they'll just keep going for. And at the end of that first season, they'll finish ninth, tenth, twelfth, whatever you know. Then the next season they fall to pieces, and everybody goes, "Oh my goodness me, what's what's." But what could be happening here? And it happens over and over again. Second season syndrome is a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very difficult to put your finger on exactly what it is. But it is. You know, we, we can we can accept that it exists without necessarily forensically understanding what it is. And would I be surprised if Brentford finished 10th in the Premier League and then got relegated next season? Not in the slightest. I mean, it's even happening to Leeds this year. And Leeds are a club who you think are big enough to be able to withstand that sort of thing. But we're nine games in and they've only won one game.
1: Yeah. And of course, I mean, the other thing with the Moneyball system is, okay. let's say you use the Moneyball approach, the data-driven approach to identify undervalued targets and you then use a canny recruitment to assemble a, a really well-balanced and good squad. Now, Manchester United, it could be argued, have actually got a fairly well-balanced and good squad, although it probably contains one too many Cronaldos. Hmm. At the end of the day, you can have as many good players as you like. And in fact, when you write write the Squads from the United Liverpool game down. There's not actually a lot of difference player to player. Oh, there particularly. is.
2: There is. I mean, one of the things about Man United is that they've got a really unbalanced squad. They've got no defence to speak well, of. Well, no, no. Their no. defensive midfielders are shit.
1: But they, 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 is it as much a, a, a coaching issue? Because it seems to me like the players are pretty much of a muchness, but the teams were so far apart, worlds apart.
2: You only need two or three weak links. That's the thing, because you know you can line up two elevens alongside each other, and eight of those players might be equal, or one might be better, either, a little bit better either way. But if two or three are noticeably worse, if two or three are noticeably out of condition, yeah, um, then that that. Gives the other team something that they can definitely exploit, and that can make, as we found out on Sunday afternoon, a very, very big difference indeed.
1: It was um, quite the shoeing. Shall we? (laughs) 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 Well, why not? I mean, first of all... (laughs) uh before we we be- began this uh, new runner football podcast one of the f- the things i did uh, sort of uh, as a negotiating tool in my favor <laughs> was to create a jingle the five alarm hot take jingle which uh-huh. we have singularly we failed haven't, yeah, we haven't even had to use to use yeah. because our hot takes have been so lukewarm so i'm pleased to announce that we will a- we will actually be able to use it today because In amongst the BBC website coverage, minute by minute of the Manchester United and Liverpool game, was a take so steamy. (laughs) I mean, the embers. It's it's like a picture of uh, the Las Palmas volcano at night. It's so it's just fizzing. This this take. Uh, It was from Rob in Carlisle who had texted. Okay we need some managerial experience and someone who knows the club i think we all know where this is going what why not give brucey the chance he's a club give legend Bruce. and i'm sure he'd get the support from the fans he'd never ha- give it brucey till the end of the season i'm actually i mean personally i mean call me old fashioned I do think Steve Bruce would be a better choice than somebody like Antonio Conte.
2: I'm not as against this idea. Oh, and, I, I would uh, eat it uh, oh. as most people think I would be, and not even necessarily for the lulls.
1: <laughs> it might work. You never know.
2: Until the well, Manchester United can't possibly be any worse than they were against Liverpool yesterday that has to be the bottoming out and you know it's very good news for them that they're playing spurs next weekend but then of course the week after that they're playing manchester City. they're on
1: a pretty so, lousy yeah. run of form and fall, they're like they haven't won in their last four games and that includes a 4-2 against leicester and a 5-0 defeat at home
2: yeah that, i mean the, it's quite obviously and quite palpably unacceptable isn't it i mean you know for a club like manchester united to be playing liverpool and to put in a performance like that is to me that is astonishing but i mean let's just go back and have a you know a little review of some of their games they beat leeds first game they uh, drew at southampton second game then they needed a goal 10 minutes from the end to beat wolves in their third game They beat Newcastle, of course, in Penaldo's debut. But even that required, you know, two goals in the last 10 minutes. And their last league win was on the 19th of September, would you believe? Yeah. And that was at West Ham, a game in which they needed a winning goal with two minutes to go. And for West Ham to miss a penalty.
1: Incidentally, of course, West Ham knocked them out of the EFL Trophy three yeah. days later.
2: Yeah. Well, let's you know, let, let, you know, that's that's the good news. <laughs> oh, okay. What I've that's done there is the good news. Since then, they've won. Uh, sorry, they've drawn one and lost three in the Premier League. And before they lost five 0 at home to Liverpool. <laughs> um. <laughs> They were beaten at home by an Aston Villa team that has lost all three of its games since then. They drew against an Everton team, which has lost both of its games since then. And then, of course, they got absolutely humped by Leicester. Now, in the Champions League, Hmm. their form has been, again, you know, they lost their first game against young boys. Always funny.
1: (laughs) It was men against boys. Yeah.
2: They then needed a goal five minutes into stoppage time to beat Villarreal. And they then had to come from two down to beat an Atalanta team that was missing half of its first 11 from injury.
1: Yeah.
2: And they were knocked out of the Carabao Cup at home by West Ham.
1: Yep.
2: There is, you know, and the thing is that none of this, if you take the Liverpool game out of the equation, none of this has come against the giants of European football. When the Champions League draw was made, I remember people going, fucking Spawny Man United getting an easy draw again. <laughs> Their first eight league games, they didn't play anybody from the top six. No. It, this was All of this has been happening against very moderate opposition. So when you stick them up against a team that's any good... Well, what ends up happening is what ended up happening yesterday.
1: Yeah, they—I mean—they were absolutely lousy, and I think the difference is they—they've got good individuals, but no cohesion, and, and also no defence. Paul, I think the third goal that Liverpool scored was very instructive. You know, everybody was playing for each other. Everybody knows where everybody else wants the ball played. Or where they're going to play the ball. Mo Salah took off like a jackrabbit because he knew where the ball was going to be and where he needed to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is that these guys are professionals. You should expect that. Well, yeah, Yeah. that is the idea. They train very hard. They have very complex tactical dossiers. They are expected to know where the ball is yeah there's no excuse there's no excuse for not playing
1: as well as Liverpool did that's the that's the goal of
2: yeah that that's what you should be aiming for and Manchester United I think you could have put Manchester United out against any team from the top three divisions yesterday and they'd have got beaten Because the gaps were just so massive, they were getting pulled all over the place. One of the goals, I'm hopeless on remembering which goal is which, anything like that, but one of the goals, there were like five of them surrounding the ball, but no one closer than about eight foot away from it. No one going for the tackle. Now, you can put as many people around the ball as you like, but... If there is still a gap between them and they're not challenging for it, it is the easiest thing in the world just to thread it through, which is what happened. And Salah ran onto it and scored very easily.
1: And then Alex Ferguson did that thing and Kenny Dalgleish went...
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is that this is humiliation because let's be absolutely clear here. And say that Liverpool stopped playing at 60 minutes. Jurgen Klopp is a European coach and European teams tend, when they get to 4 or 5-0, to just
1: sharp up. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has got the clear look of a humanitarian about him.
2: Yeah. In Italy, it's a convention. It's considered bad form yes. to keep scoring after you've got 5. Yeah. And United had just had Pogba sent off. He'd been on the pitch 13 minutes. Uh, attempted to sever Nabi Cater's leg at the calf. You had Cronaldo attempting an appendectomy on Curtis Jones.
1: Well, uh, it was probably more like a vasectomy. Or or a yeah. uh, combined appendectomy and vasectomy.
2: Yeah, two for the price <laughs> of one. And it was just an absolute shambles. You couldn't believe what you were seeing. Yeah, um, I I've not seen anything. I've never seen a Manchester United team play that badly before. I'm not certain that I've ever seen a Premier League team play that badly before.
1: Well, Actually. I don't know. I mean, I, do you remember that game when Sunderland got absolutely walloped by um, Southampton and scored two home goals?
2: Yeah, I remember that. But I mean, you should be expecting a little bit better from Manchester Fucking United than well, they weren't the worst team performance in the history of the Premier League. Yeah.
1: And I mean this you've got to remember this is a team that is um so packed to the ginnels with talent that Jaden Sancho can't get in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear dear dear. I'm... It's a bit of a mess, isn't it? It's this is not a half season job. Well, the thing is that I don't
2: even know that they know whether they're going to get rid of him or not. <laughs> because this morning, of course, they put a tweet up, the Man United Twitter account, which just said oh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is looking forward to the next three games. Yeah, And then by this afternoon, there's press reports that, oh, actually, they're considering his position yeah, And the thing is that it's so jumbled...
1: Ollie Gunnar is looking for his, to his tea tonight. Yeah, it's so
2: jumbled that it wouldn't be at all surprising to find out that, yes, in the morning they were definitely going to keep him and, no, by lunchtime they were thinking of getting rid of him and that, actually, by late this afternoon they were definitely going to keep him. It's... I get it. I understand. You know... Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is a Manchester United legend. He certainly that's, is. That's fair, you know.
1: not Not everyone has scored the winning goal with their knee in the European Cup final.
2: And I think that at this stage, to keep him is almost cruel. Let him walk away with a bit of dignity. <laughs> because this ain't working. And it ain't gonna start working.
1: Well, no. Everybody,
2: no, no. you get these people who are like, Oh well, you know, they got them to second place last year. They were runners up. They were a fucking mile behind Manchester City. Absolute mile behind them. It wasn't yeah. even a competition. And also, it
1: wasn't a- behind Manchester City. That's a, that should also be a red flag, shouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah. So like we were runners up. It's like you were runners up to Manchester City. Liverpool had an off
2: season. Defending a league title is always difficult. You know, you can even speak to Man City about that. I don't think they've successfully defended a Premier League title yet. No. I stand to be corrected on that, but I'm not. But you know, winning a league title two years in a row is really difficult in and of itself. Chelsea, of course, were hamstrung by. Franklin D. Lamparderville for the first <laughs> half of last season. And, and and the thing is that it's Chelsea who really instructed them once there because they ditched Lampard in January yeah, and they won the Champions League. It was too late to win the Premier League, but they won the Champions League. If Manchester United get rid of Solskjaer and bring in a decent coach, well, the squad is still very unbalanced, but it's not like they don't just throw money around like it's Monopoly money, so they could probably plug a couple of those gaps in
1: January. And they will need to. But this sort of vacillation and, will, you know, what What are we going to do with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Oh, I don't know. Oh, all, all, uh, yeah. This actually is probably why their squad is the way it is.
2: The problem with Manchester United is... I saw somebody tweet today, which is the best that um, I've seen so far, which is that they are run like a cross between a theme park and a heritage (laughs) centre. They are too wrapped up in in their own history. There are people who plenty of people who want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to succeed so badly that they've convinced hims- themselves that he is 20 times the coach that he actually is and that is I, I you know I use this phrase very 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 advisedly but it is what it reminds me of which is a, just a form of mental illness I don't wish to trivialise mental illness. Me and you have both had our fair share of that over the years. But the fact of the matter is that when you look at it and you look at this behaviour which is so counterintuitive and instilled entirely just from a mixture of hope and blind optimism that it's difficult to reach any other conclusion. You know, why is he still there? Because he's a United legend. All right, okay, so has he got any calibre, any pedigree as a manager? Well, he got Cardiff relegated from the Premier League and he won the Norwegian League with mould.
1: He certainly did.
2: There's this kind of idea that, and I think the Man United and Liverpool have been prone to this in the past as well, and the big clubs always are, that there's something almost supernatural about them. You know, they get this idea into their heads that there is something about them which is ethereal. Which you either get or you don't get. No, you're not. You're just fucking bricks and mortar and a training ground and some players and a manager and a managerial star.
1: Yeah, and a piss bucket and some liniment. Yeah, all, all yeah. the things that football clubs have.
2: Yeah, there's nothing special about any football club, or at least nothing more special than any other football club. This idea that somehow there is a a, a Manchester United way that can only get there if it's in your blood, is the most arrogant, conceited, and ultimately self-defeating bullshit. Exactly the same thing happened at Liverpool in the 1990s. Nobody would accept that there was a problem. And the result of that was that Liverpool went round and round and round in circles, Because nobody would actually grab it by the scruff of the neck. And it took until Klopp to do that. Even after they won the Champions League in 2005. It still took 12 years to actually bring in the manager who would grab that club by the scruff of the neck and say, right, we're going to do things my way because my way is going to work. And shut up. Which is basically what Klopp did when he arrived at Liverpool.
1: And he's done very well. I'm pretty sure that he, since he's got his laser eye surgery, I'm pretty sure he wears eyeliner. But that's neither here nor there. His his team are really pretty special.
2: I mean, they're really good. They're really good. But Manchester United made it extremely easy for them yesterday afternoon.
0: Smithy's Calf, Smithy's Calf, Smithy's Calf. Girls, boys,
1: music, noise. Where is Smithy's Calf, Smithy's Calf, Calf, Calf? Find out. (laughs) Now, one possible solution to the big and bold and best teams getting bigger and bolder and better. One way to equalise the gap is the issue of a listener question that we received last week. But I said we would hold it over for a week because it required a certain amount of extra thought yes it's a question from matt evans and now this is one of your favorite subjects yes if you took away the modern premier league pitches and replaced them with a real mud pit say the pitch at the baseball ground would the game be better worse would it act as a talent leveler i could see burnley being very successful at this
2: i don't necessarily think that playing on a mud bath would benefit one team over another but it would, and it did, completely change football. Yeah, it's as such a strange thought to me that there will be twenty, twenty-five year olds, or whatever, who've never played on a bad pitch.
1: It's true, me. Yeah, if you are picked, certainly. Yeah,
2: if you're picked up at say ten years old or twelve years old by a pro club. Yeah. Chances are you've been playing on a pitch like a bowling green your entirety of your career. And we never talk about that. People talk about like oh, the back parcel changed everything. No 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 no. The big change pitch technology. In the early nineteen eighties, uh, I remember Fulham getting a hybrid pitch, uh it was called onto cass, uh which was basically a uh, a grass pitch but with extra drainage underneath it, because they were right on the bank's sort of Thames, so their pitch was always waterlogged. Yeah. And they installed a new pitch there, which was this kind of... And that was a prototype of what we have now. And, of course, nowadays, if you go to a lot of Premier League grounds, the pitches are only about two-thirds grass
1: anyway. Yeah, it surprised me, actually, just uh, how much of a proportion of artificial surface there is in, in every Premier League pitch.
2: Yeah, yeah. And they're like bowling greens. And that has changed the way that football is played. Because essentially, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it was almost impossible to play the ball on the ground. Because you couldn't guarantee the run of the ball.
1: Well, as I may have mentioned, I was in Hereford at the weekend. Yes. Um, And I, I was at Edgar Street, which is in the middle of the town, and so on, so on. Uh, it it struck me that it was the place that Brighton were reborn and only afterwards did it strike me that it was also the place that the greatest goal of all time may very well well have been scored and I think it it didn't ring a bell at the time because I didn't see any little kids running around with snorkel parkers on but um, we've all seen it, we all know it
0: Tremendous spirit in this Hereford side, they're not giving this up by any means Radford Now Tudor's gone down for Newcastle. Radford again. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Radford the scorer! Ronnie Radford! And the crowd! The crowd are invading the pitch.
1: The memorable, incredible strike of Ronnie Radford is just accentuated all the more by the fact that that ball could have gone anywhere. It was bobbling, bibbling. Bouncing. That pitch was like the song. Yeah, but, and of course the thing is that it's not just the pitch
2: either. No. You know, it's also the ball was like a fucking cannonball. And I imagine
1: that his kit probably weighed about three, three or four times what it did at the start of the match as well.
2: Oh, yeah, these were heavy cotton shirts and they, the way down, he was wearing boots like clogs you know yeah everything about that has been completely transformed and it changes the way you play football and now i mean you know fully well we've been to a few games this season that even down in non league they keep the ball on the floor now it's just how oh, they're yeah. taught to yeah. play nobody lumps it and I, I you know i think that's a shame
1: it is a bit, but I mean, obviously, you go somewhere like Worthing where they've got a absolutely pristine 3G pitch. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you not exploit it? I, I was talking to Johnny Nick
2: about this. I think it was the end of last week or maybe over the weekend, and about how there's just just if the goalkeeper launches a drop kick down the pitch, there's just just kind of rush of adrenaline that you get. And the irony is <laughs> that if somebody tried to play Graham Taylor ball now, opposing defences would not know how to cope with it. I'm almost surprised that there haven't been more clubs who've who've tried this because. Well,
1: I think it is it is going probably will be one of the next big tactical innovations, won't it? Because oh, yeah, somebody... it's, it's all about finding. The, an advantage from something that somebody hasn't done before yeah, or for yeah. ages.
2: Yeah, they'll give it a they'll give it a fancy European name.
1: Yeah, but essentially, it's hoofing it up into the corners, getting it someone to hold it up until the striker's lurched and ambled his way onto the penalty spot.
2: Yeah, exactly. But but, but I mean, you know, why not? Man United should try because I tell you what. Whatever they're doing at the moment ain't working.
0: Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, calf, calf. Girls, boys, music, noise. Smithy's calf. Where is Smithy's calf? Smithy's calf, calf, calf. Girls, boys, music, noise. Calf, 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 calf. Where is Smithy's calf? Smithy's calf, 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 calf. Find out.
1: Let's use that match as an example. What What do you think would have been the the difference if we could replay? Manchester United versus Liverpool from from the weekend on an absolute bitch platter a real churned pasture. Yeah. Do you think there would have been any difference?
2: I think I think I'd have fancied United more. Uh because they've got greater physical heft, haven't they? They got, you know, Harry Maguire, he's a he's a he's a churned pitch player.
1: Harry, yeah, yeah, Harry Maguire, I think, could hold his own.
2: Yeah, I bet he could go 90 minutes on a pitch like that. And I'm not sure that some of Liverpool's willowy, wispy, wiry, whippet athletes uh, are necessarily cut out for that sort of thing. So I think it could have tilted the game in United's favour. But I think that to go back to churned pitches, you would also have to go back to all that other stuff as well. And it would make the game very different. We do essentially in quite a few different ways. It's a different sport to what it was forty years
1: ago. Yeah, I think increasingly so. I mean, if you look at stuff now from the nineteen sixties, oh it, yeah, it's it's so different that you think, wow, they could be playing a different game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot, quite a lot of football from the thirties and fifties. And one of the things that always catches your eye is how many players are just standing around.
1: Yeah.
2: And I like that. You know, I'm all in favour of that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean...
2: you. Yeah. Ain't, if you're a professional footballer, you ain't got to run around a lot to impress me. I can take it as read that you're pretty good at football because you wouldn't be getting paid a lot of money to do it otherwise.
1: No. Or even £10 a week.
2: Yeah. but uh, But people do. People get this... People get these wildly exaggerated, stupid ideas into their head, and they think it's all really simple and really easy. And it's like, do you have any idea how difficult it is? Do you really think that Steve Bruce is just some fucking idiot who accidentally keeps getting hired by football clubs? Because he isn't. And... All right, okay. If you view it through this prism alone, then his tactics are pretty outdated, and his football can be a bit reductive. But he played more than seven hundred games for Manchester uh, for as a player for Manchester United and Norwich and whoever. He man- he's managed exactly a thousand games. People don't have a forty-year-plus career doing something if they don't know what they're doing. They don't get to the end of that period of time and not know anything about it. Certainly not more than some bloke with his elbow on a bar in a pub with a pint in his hand shouting at the TV because that bloke doesn't know fuck all.
1: I think the only solution is to for Manchester United to wait until there's nine games until the transfer window reopens. Appoint Ian Holloway... For those nine games. So that he can get up to his thousand games in charge. Yeah, then sack him. Then sack him. Bring in Steve Bruce. or Although they might not want to damage his thousand games in charge. Mick McCarthy, maybe.
2: 99% of people have never played football against a professional footballer. So 99% of people have no idea whatsoever. And I'll tell you something. As one of that 1% that has... I'm gonna let you in on a little trade secret here. Yeah, they're really fucking good at it.
1: Yeah, I thought they probably would be.
2: You know, I mean, I remember playing a game against a pro team's. I think they were a youth team. They're from Bristol City, and I was I was in goal. We played an hour game against them. And they they only beat us four one. We put in a fairly respectable performance. Better round.
1: than Man United,
2: but one of the goals, the geezer hit the shot so hard that I got a full
1: hand on it and it just bent <laughs> it right back. <laughs> oh, Ian as wily coyote. Yeah, in
2: e- yeah. Any harder and the hand would have just gone into the back of the net with the, still attached to the ball, blood spurting out of the stump. Where it like a shot from
1: hot shot Hamish. Yeah. I
2: thought you were gonna say Alec Baldwin for a minute there. that only be back
1: too soon. <laughs> that <laughs> right. almost certainly yeah. too soon.
2: But no it uh. it, but it was it... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. Fucking out. Uh oh. Dear. But um
0: <laughs>
2: But No, it was just the sheer ferocity of the shot. And I've got to tell you, they're so good. They're so fast. They tackle so cleanly. They pass so accurately. Because, of course, they fucking do. Well, yeah. You know, in terms of football, I was some bloke playing in a pub band on an empty Wednesday night, you know, with no one there at all. And they're playing Wembley Arena every week. And that is the difference. And it is as much the difference in football as it is in any other area. And this idea that because, you know, we've all played it at school and quite a lot of us might have played it at Sunday League or Amateur League. And we all think we can do it. But I have to assure you that we can't. It makes a huge difference, and we don't get it, and that's why, you know, I try to not be too critical of the people who play football and the people who manage or coach, because on the whole, they know, you know, they they've forgotten more than either of us will ever remember.
1: Well, certainly me,
2: debt especially you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, but, at, least, I mean yeah. at least
2: I've given it a go and proved myself not to be good enough.
1: Yeah, well who who's who's really intelligent though? Because I never gave it a go on the assumption that I wasn't good enough. And I think that my assumption was completely correct.
2: Well, we'll have to find out someday. I'll get you in full football kit, take you down a hove lawns. <laughs>
1: Yeah, with all the rest of the dogs
2: yeah we'll have, we'll, we'll see who out we'll see has got a game on and ask if we can join in and i'll, I'll tell him i'll tell them that i'm scouting you <laughs> not a lie
1: <laughs> well no clearly i'm not.
2: scouting him oh who for oh, that's confidential that's confidential, I
1: can't I can't,
2: I'm I can't i can't possibly can't possibly tell you that can't Mis- possibly Mr.
1: reveal what football no. clubs looking at signing a greying, rotund, 41-year-old prick.
2: Yeah, oh, hang on a minute. Is that <laughs> my phone? Oh, Mr. Woodward? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh like Mr. Phelan? Yeah, I reckon I
1: could do a job for, the, for Man United.
2: Oh, yeah, they could stick you in goal and you might completely block it up, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United's... Full season about conceding a goal because they just got a goalkeeper who was the exact dimensions of the goal itself.
1: Anyway, what have we learnt? Well, we've learnt that if Bill Shankly had seen Liverpool play this weekend, he would have come in his pants. Almost certainly. We've learnt that it's not easy playing against professional football players, even if you are a professional football player in some cases. Apparently, yeah. And that... Paul Skulls bites his daughter's toenails.
2: Well, I'm, that's what we've learned. That, well, I'm I'm glad that that is as far as that conversation is going because I don't actually know. I've got to get this off my chest. What the fuck? I don't. It, seriously, there's
1: no. There's no, no seriously, explanation for it. seriously,
2: seriously, right? Every single part of this. First of all, she's a fucking adult.
1: Well, yeah. Second, second of all. She's a professional netball player, so there's every chance that, as a professional sportsman, her tailnails are probably pretty gnarly. Yeah. Third of all, she then posted it on social media. Yeah, I think that that, that, that one's the what one the that heck? I can't get my head around. If,
2: if they'd had <laughs> sex, would she have posted it on social media?
1: <laughs> there's um, only one way to find out. I'm
2: not suggesting they did. But I have to tell you, I can't completely 100% rule it out either. Yeah. <laughs> Not after seeing that bloody weirdo
1: video. And I think we do need an explanation. It was a strange, the strangest thing to come out of a fairly strange weekend of football. But credit where it is due. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, using the kind of, sort of socialist philosophy of his great mentor, Sir Alex Ferguson, took one for the team and no-one was talking about Paul Skull's by six o'clock. Well, they were. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> it was an
2: extremely viral tweet went out, more or less on the full-time whistle from Man United that just said, defeat. And then there was, that was quote-tweeted with, oh, yeah, it's what Paul Scholes says to his."
1: <laughs> it's his favourite part of his daughter. Yeah, well, yeah. look.
2: I mean, the thing is that that ain't going nowhere now. No. Like I say, I need to hear the explanation. Yeah. Because there just, has to be one.
1: Just get some clippers, Paul. You can get these, in, just in chemists.
2: Yeah, there, there has to be an explanation that makes sense. But the fact of the matter is <laughs> that that video has been in the public domain for, what, 48 hours now? 72, maybe? Yeah. And silence from the Skulls camp. And, yeah, and that
1: I, that that's a vacuum that yeah, can't and be that good. that
2: that that can't stay like that. Nature abhors a vacuum, and of course, you know, horrible speculation like mine is exactly how that vacuum gets filled, gets serviced. Uh, but I do think that for his own good and for the good of his reputation, for the
1: good of, for the good of the game,
2: because once everybody stops going, I'm god and laughing about it, people will go, oh, actually. That's kind of creepy. Kind of. And and so, you know, I think for the good of his own reputa- reputation, he needs to step forward and say, this is why this happened.
1: Yeah, even if it's the kind of explanation that the, the, the vicar who accidentally landed on a potato that was sat on its point yeah. and ended up with a potato up his ass, It was covered in duck fat. Covered in duck fat and it had a battery attached to it but <laughs> at least you know what he had an excuse ba- hang on a minute
2: hang on a minute what would just having a battery attached to a potato d- actually, would
1: it make it vibrate i'm not sure or it, or it would it make cap- it i'm not sure it would make it vibrate but i think a potato is actually quite uh, electronically active so you, it might actually make it explode <laughs> 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 Potato exploding in your arse.
2: There you go, Paul. There's one for next weekend for you. Yeah.
1: Have you seen the video of Paul's goals? Oh, what's he done now? Oh, he's...
2: uh, He's greased up a potato. (laughs) stuck a battery to it. Stuffed it up, shoved it up his arse and it exploded. (laughs) And he's
1: just lost his legs. Jesus Christ.
2: and, And now his daughter is putting it on her Instagram.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know, what a world. What a world.
1: But look on the bright side, Jamie Vardy didn't score a goal this week.
2: Spared the purgatory of Jamie Vardy facts for once.
1: Right, we done? We're all finished.
2: I thought as much. Right, we'll be back again next week. You can get me on Twitter at 2HT, T-W-O-H-T. You can find him on the official 200% podcast podcast channel which is uh 200%
1: zero zero pod
2: yeah there you go that uh, one apology for podcast listeners is that last week i was having such horrible problems with the website that i couldn't do the page for the website i could only do it on the acast page um that has been fixed and i just haven't bothered putting it up yet so last week's is still due to go up on the website they'll be done by the time you hear this podcast but like I say, it's been horrendous and getting the website to do anything at all has just been an absolute nightmare uh, for the last few weeks. And I, me and the hosting company, we spoke about it about two months ago, three months ago, and we thought we'd fixed it. And then actually we hadn't.
1: <laughs> I'm, um, so, I'm starting to understand where you get your empathy your well of empathy for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer from what, really? well yeah you seem to be having the same problem you thought what? you thought you had it fixed not fixed
2: yeah I mean the only difference is that this one really counts for nothing and an I own it so I don't know slightly different maybe
1: maybe slightly different I don't care makes <laughs> 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 oh. no odds
2: oh All right, then. Right, well, that'll do us for now. We'll be back again same time next week. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye.
0: Smithy's cap, Smithy's cap, Smithy's cap! Where is Smithy's cap? Girls, boys, music noise! Smithy's cap, cap, calf. calf, calf. where is smithy's cat smithy's cat 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 find out